0: Welcome to the Small Business Wake-Up Call, the twice-weekly podcast that will open your eyes to the kinds of insights you can use to better run your business. Come have your morning, Joe, with hosts Lonnie Shambi and Stan Simpkins, who have the right recipes and ingredients to easily help you cook up a storm for even your toughest competitor. No lectures, no wasting your time telling you how smart they are, and no bullshit. The Small Business Wake-Up Call is going to make you think, laugh, and help you recognize how much money you've been leaving on the table with advice that'll help you improve your quality of life. Lonnie and Stan are small business veterans who will share their individual war stories and experiences not only from their own businesses, but also from guiding hundreds of other small business owners in over 100 industries. Head on over to sbvirtualroundtables.com where you can connect with Lonnie and Stan and save yourself some headaches. Grab that second cup of joe or maybe something a bit stronger. And let's see what's on the menu for today. Welcome to the Small Business Wake-Up Call. and Here are your hosts with cups in hand, Lonnie Shambi and Stan Simpkins. Thanks, John.
1: I'm Lonnie Shambi and my partner Stan Simpkins and I are really excited to launch this new podcast, Small Business Wake-Up Call. During our podcast series, We'll touch on virtually every aspect of small business, with each of us coming from two distinct but similar vantage points, Stan from the realm of family business, and me from the private small business world. We'll deliver it in ways you maybe hadn't heard of or thought of before. Each session will run approximately 30 minutes, and a lot of that will be the two of us just riffing on war stories that we've lived with our own businesses, and experienced with our clients' businesses that will provide valuable lessons for you. But a word of caution and warning. This won't be your father's podcast. We don't have any cookie-cutter solutions that can magically make your business operate better. Small Business Wake Up Call just offers hard-hitting guidance and wisdom through our collective experience with our own businesses and our broad-based Client business experiences, but mostly it's about our war stories that will help you learn, make you think, laugh, and maybe even make you uncomfortable. We already took the hits so we can help you avoid the landmines of entrepreneurship. So let's get on with this journey towards more personal freedom and financial success for you and your business.
2: Today, We'll cover- Well, Lonnie, excuse me, with all the respect, audience doesn't know who we are. How about we tell them a little bit about ourselves?
1: Oh, all right. Well, go ahead, Stan. You, you go first.
2: No, you're a lot more interesting than me, Lonnie. You know you are.
1: Well, you know I am, but I just wanted to be- Polite? Kind of polite. That would be a difference. Well, periodically I will be. Okay, my background is eclectic. I started my career at IBM, and I've had two- kind of corporate apprenticeships, if you will, IBM and Citicorp. And in between, I actually worked for a conglomerate where I started and put together an IT company and basically learned how to do acquisitions, which helped me later on. I was part of the executive management team that took a company public, and then we got acquired by EDS. From there, it was nothing but entrepreneurial. I started and sold two of my own businesses. I started many more of that, so you could find your own conclusion out of that. And then I did the investment banking thing for a number of years. I raised over $350 million, did over three dozen M&A transactions. And then I did eight turnarounds and then have advised over 300 firms in various countries. And I'm 127 years old. That explains why you look so
2: tired every morning when I see you on the Zoom calls. (laughs) Good thing this is audio and not video. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, is that it? That's it. That's all I got for you. I thought you have a whole lot more from me than that. <laughs> oh, That's, no, what no, no. That's all you got? That's what right. I
1: got. That's what I got. All right. Well, That's like
2: what... I said, I'm not as interesting. I'm an accountant. I started oh, out as a CPA. I
1: actually wrote a book, too, and I know you did. There you go. There in my go. spare time. And what's the title of that book? The title of that book is Secrets of Entrepreneurial Success.
2: There you go. A little plug. Well, I started out as a CPA and joined a small firm right out of college. And that was a great experience uh, to be part of that growth. And in fact, seven years later, I was invited to be a partner, which I'm quite proud of at that young age. However, uh, a year and a half later, what do you think I decided to do? I went on my own, pregnant wife in hand. We were scared to death, me especially, but I knew how to do it. And seven years later, I decided, you know, I loved helping people, but I didn't really love accounting as a format for it. And so I uh, decided to sell, uh, found myself a partner, groomed them over a five-year period. And in our 12th year since inception, I sold the firm and moved on. Started a software development company for a law office automation using microcomputers. Had a partner, a different partner, and sold that to him six years later because uh, I got the bug to just chill out a bit, I guess, and got my first lesson, that is, you don't really retire <laughs> when you're a consultant who likes to help people. So God intervened and I was uh, invited to become a partner of a very large CPA firm to run their consulting division. And I did that for three years and I really loved, it. what I learned is I really loved the consulting aspect of serving clients, especially in the uh, as an accounting firm. But you know what I also learned is when you've been on your own more than once, it's hard to work for someone else relationship was good, but it just wasn't as fulfilling as I had hoped would be. So I you know, gave notice, gave him six months and found him a successor and moved on and started my own consulting firm, which is still around, and um, enjoyed it. But also along the way, started a uh, in-person roundtable group uh, about 24 years ago. We're still in operation, and it's the foundation actually for the virtual roundtable's that you'll be hearing more about later. So I guess the lesson is certainly to keep in mind if you're thinking of selling, what are you gonna do afterwards? And we of course, teach that in our succession planning, coaching. So that's kind of my history. I've worked with hundreds of businesses, about 80 plus industries for myself. I know you've worked in many more between the two of us. We have at least a 100, I guess, industries. B2B, wholesale distribution, manufacturing, construction, retail, you name it, we've been there. Not big one, not-for-profits, or governmental, though, not saying so that he did a lot with that, but I think that's what got you and I together. Yeah, we met on LinkedIn about, what, nine years ago, Lonnie?
1: Yeah. We've been collaborating,
2: and I think what we both found is we're both teachers. We love empowering other people with knowledge and experience and just some support, things like the subject we'll talk today about, mindset.
1: Well, before we go into today's topic, let me share with you something, and that's We want to lay out for you what's important about today and the coming weeks of our podcast. And that is to take us seriously and apply the knowledge that we provide you. We should be able to help you identify what is sabotaging your business. Help you build a plan to set yourself free. Get out of the rut you might be in. And reduce your stress level, improve the quality of your life, as well as help you fall back in love with your business and develop the full potential of that business to increase its value, make more money, and last but not least, make your business work for you
2: as hard as you work for it. We're We're going to do that, all that today? No. This is
1: in the coming weeks. Oh, okay.
2: (laughs) Got okay. to kind of scare about it. a little pressure.
1: Line. Today's topic is mindset. And simply put, it's what's going on in your head as you're making business decisions. And Stan wrote a book several years back called Set Yourself Free, How to Have a Thriving Small Business and Enjoy It. Sam, why'd you write that book? And what was the bottom line you were trying to
2: drive across to small business owners. To be candid, the reason I wrote the book was kind of like a bucket list thing, my own selfish personal need to get out that feeling of if I had my last dying breath, what would it be? It would be, I didn't want to take all the black and blue marks from decades of experience, not only my own business, but living through all that owners go through with them as a partner in this situation, at least as an advisor in a sense, but I always felt like a partner to my clients, not just an outside guy telling them what to do. And I said, I don't want that to waste. I knew it wasn't going to make a ton of money because I believe the stats are fewer than 5% of books written ever sell more than 10,000 copies. And by the way, I'm a long way from 10,000. But I did it for me. So even if I only sell four, I'm happy. But I am past four. I wanted to give them a solution to something i had seen time and time again. Before I even wrote the book, I asked as many people who were business as I could, have you ever felt trapped by your business? And I honestly thought I'd get a lot, of, oh, no, 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 because egos. But the truth is everyone, not a single person responded other than, are you kidding me? Like, so what else do? They all easily acknowledge it and they would tell me their story. So I go, whoa, maybe I'm onto something. And when I was talking to the coach I hired to guide me, because I'd never written a book before, and I'm at best a a C or B student in school in English. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm an accountant kind of guy. So I go, this is what I want to write about. And she said, well, that's a 500-page book, so forget it. She said, just think about the one thing that matters. And I thought about it over a number of weeks. I said, the common thread is mindset. What you are thinking generally, subconsciously, more than consciously, and how you react to the decisions, to the challenges you get. I go, that's it. And I didn't read any books from psychologists. I just wrote purely anecdotally from my own experience. And to my shock and surprise, two of the endorsements I got were from clinical psychotherapists who said that your book is clinically sound, that if they follow your steps, if you will, they can affect their own mindset. Because it's tough being aware of your own mindset, let alone making the changes to it.
1: The bottom line with all of this is mindset is underneath of everything. And in order to really get at the root causes of some of your key pain points, what you've got to do is really identify and examine your mindset before you do almost anything. Because it's subconscious. It's a way you're going to carry yourself. It's a way people are going to hear you because it's the voice in your head that's telling you how to do this. It's incredible. Stan, you know that no two situations are ever identical. Even with two companies that are in the exact same business, that are the exact same size, there's always something that's different about them.
2: And what's that come down to, Stan? I guess the best way to answer is to give you the example of what actually took this as a real life situation. I had two HVAC, you know, heating, ventilating, air conditioning clients. They were in the same region. I would say they were competitors, but they really weren't. They were far enough distance that their clients were more close to their own locations. But they both did the same thing. They had about the same number of employees. And the reason I had two of the same clients is I had been very involved with construction, was a member of a big trade organization locally of subcontractors. So I got a chance to see what best practices and what the norms were. I knew what the margin percentages were and all that. So I could make a fair comparison. And for all intent and purposes, if I took the names off and showed you these two, you wouldn't know one from the other. So I knew they were very similar. But the one defining difference is one had that, unfortunately, I hate to say this, jerk son in the business who really was a misfit for the business. And the father kind of knew it, but I think for whatever his guilt trip or whatever it was, just couldn't. And it was so bad that all the employees knew it. The father knew it. The son was totally unaware of it, totally clueless about his own behavior and his relevance and his ability to do it. And yet the father kept treating the son in the business as if this, I'll use the word condition, never existed, denial. Okay. So that's an example and it did show in the bottom line. The thing is, is oh just for
1: the audience's sake, understand that we have two different backgrounds, even though we've dealt with small business owners all over the place, internationally, etc., in that Stan has worked almost exclusively with small businesses that are family owned. I've worked primarily with small businesses that were just owned by a board, owned by investors, owned by the owner. So we'll come at it from two different perspectives, but we'll come to the same place. And so we talk about mindset. Well, let's talk about two categories of unhealthy mindsets. And I'm sure all of you have seen this. One is the inflated mindset, where the owner thinks he is above everything. It's kind of my way or the highway. If I couldn't fix it, it can't be fixed. And that's something that will take that one into the deck without question. And then there's the self-limiting mindset, which is basically owners who have self-esteem issues, who limit their own potential, who stifle their own success, who basically don't feel like they are somebody who should be getting that success. It's really a matter of awareness. And awareness is underneath everything. And unproductive mindsets usually could result in an emotional train
2: wreck. Could you give me examples of the ones you just described, inflated? Because I'm curious to see what your perspective is on that.
1: Oh, I mean, and this was interesting because I had a Client that was actually a family business. Stan and I just were talking about this last week. And six brothers in the same business, oldest brother running the business. The five other brothers hated him. But he was the least self-aware person I have ever met in business. I mean, by and large, I keep clients for years. I kept this client for 18 months and had to resign. It was just too frustrating. And what he was doing was he was saying things and he didn't realize what he was saying. And that's it. At the end of the day, you got to be true to yourself and you got to understand your
2: mindset. The truth will set you free. If I could interject, it's funny you talk about that as they'll discover as we go into this podcast series deeper and especially some of the things that are in the book, we talk about... What makes up the mindset, your belief system, your prejudices, but the one that I think many people overlook, even other consultants, is personality traits. Talk about embedded and how many of us are really fully aware of our natural personality traits. I love the sales, and no offense, you're into sales, but the traditional sales type personality that I got to be loved. I got to make you like me, that whole bit, and they can be, in some cases, not all, a terrible leader because their opinion is based upon the last person who spoke to them giving them their opinion. What I call LIFO thinkers. <laughs> last last in, in, first in, first out. Yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you, it's unbelievable. And they're just not aware of it. There's a perfect example that they don't realize that when they're making decisions, that part of what's pushing them, like a divining rod, is that need to be, well, I got to be like, so I get whatever it's going to take to be like is what I should be saying. I don't exactly. want to say something that I wouldn't be like that. Can't piss everybody off. It's just amazing. We're not mocking because I know our audience, there's people out there going, yeah, that's probably me. No, we're not here to offend you. No, you but, be. but see, if it strikes
1: a chord, keep listening because we're going to come back at you with other things. I talked about a couple of unhealthy mindsets. Well, how about a couple of healthy ones? One of those is, while failure is not an option, shit happens. Learn from your mistakes and move on. Leadership, it requires a positive attitude. You leverage your strengths, you recognize your limitations, and the ability to make difficult decisions, like having to terminate long-term employees or family members. Ooh, ooh, is that hard? Stan could tell you lots of things like that.
2: Well, you know, I mentioned welcoming mindset, I think, sometime earlier, and I don't want to beat that to death, but an example of a welcoming mindset would be an owner who actually goes out and asks employees for their thoughts and ideas, especially when they differ. And more importantly, how they react to it. I get owners go, oh yeah, I'm very open-minded, but the employees go, but you never see his eyes when I tell him I don't agree. Yes. (laughs) His eyes. And see, what they fail to understand
1: is employees are really what drives the business. That makes them crazy, incidentally, because they figure they drive the business. Nah, it's the people you hire. That's who drives the business. That's who makes it work. It's up to you to manage that resource and lead it as well as you can. That's the mindset you need to have
2: you mind if I just take a, a few minutes just to give them more examples? Part of what we said we want to do is to get them to think. Now, that's not to say they don't think. We know our audience is smart on that. But What we mean is, I mentioned top of mind awareness. I'll give you a perfect example, and I will admit I'm reading this from the book, but who can relate it? I love the one when it comes to employees. I should keep the employees I have, even if they aren't highly productive, because the you W know O is better than the W you don't. Or I'll never find anyone good enough to replace the bad apple I now have. I know that no one has got these problems. It's just one exception that I happen to list on a book. In fact, hey Lonnie, have you ever met an owner who has said, "I love my business more if I didn't have to do yeah, employees? employees"?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And see, and these are the same people who don't understand the term accountability. Accountability is not holding people's feet to the fire. No, that's management. Accountability is you define their job and you give them the authority and the resources to carry it out. Oh, that's no.
2: They all believe in accountability as long as it's for the next guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The one I mean, you'll love, Lottie, let me just say about the one you'll love, I can't afford to hold my best salesperson accountable, keyword. Because he or she is so critical. They own the customer base. If we lose them, the customers will all go to them. And the all-time winner for why you don't pay commissions on a timely basis is, I need to keep my salespeople hungry. Yeah, that's... that's, I mean, yes. We're not reading them all because we think we never have any listeners No, it's...
1: There's a lot of stuff where it's almost like putting your head in the sand. It's like, I don't have a customer service problem. I don't hear any complaints. No, 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 no. A customer service problem is not no complaints because that customer who's not complaining may be leaving. So it's kind of like, when's the last reach out you've done to your customers?
2: An example. That's what drives this. I think it would be useful because we only have a few minutes left to set the stage for the future podcast. So though mindsets is a subject of its own, we're going to break it into, I'll uh, say five and actually two more, seven total segments. Those are what we call the five M's, manpower or workforce, women power, management, management team, structure, things like that, money, finance, credit terms, all the things that affect cash flow and affect systems, what we call machines, but that's systems, procedures, processes, things that basically are going to be utilized by the workforce, and the marketing and sales, and actually talking about difference. And of course, since Lonnie mentioned that I do a lot of family business, and I might add that from all that I've ever read, it's believed that nine out of 10 small businesses are family-operated, meaning there's two or more family members in the business, even if only one is an owner. And for those of you who are in the audience who are not a family business and have never worked in one and go, what's the difference? Let me ask you a question. How would you feel if you got a message from above, whether you believe in God or not, but someone from above, maybe an alien, says to you <laughs> from this day on, you will be working with your family. And you can pick them. You get to pick two or three, it doesn't matter. How would you feel? And of course your answer is, it depends. I go, well, what? You go, which one? <laughs> Sorry to fix my brother, go, well, No, 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 no. There's no picking. There's no <laughs> picking. There's no picking. They get it. I have not met anyone who's not been a family member of family business who didn't get the point. It's called Can You Say Drama in Big Letters. Oh yeah. It's a wonderful thing in a lot of ways, absolutely a lot of benefits and a lot of challenges that you wouldn't have in a non family environment. At least on the scale, I would say. Even in small businesses that aren't family, property, we all know there is and can be drama. But it's not the kind you get when you have family, as I use an example with the father and the son there in the HVAC company.
1: I mean, what we are here is a couple of 50-gallon drums. and That's not saying that we're large, but maybe. (laughs) I got the video
2: on, Lonnie, so let's be honest.
1: That that we have to distill it down to each podcast a half-gallon milk carton. And that's what we're going to try to do. We want you to take something away from every single one of these. Whether you're listening in your car, whether you're just working around the house and this is just something that you're, we want you everybody to get one thing out of every one of these. One thing that you can use, one thing that you can execute on because that's what it's about. It's a lot of one things. And What we'll promise you is we'll give you those one things. We'll give you things to think about
2: in every one of our sessions. Promise. What we hope to achieve is that top of mind awareness we told you about. But in the end game, it's about getting the slight edge of your competition. The things you will be addressing here could be the one thing that takes you past the next horse, as they say in the race. Lonnie, before we close out this podcast session, let's do a 30-second recap. Number one, mindset is a key element, sometimes more than the facts or rational thought that impacts your decision process. And number two, be more conscious of some of your pre-established or habitual mindsets before pulling the trigger, especially on significant issues. And number three, Analyzing your operations to separate symptoms from root causes can be more effectively done through the filters of 5Ms, manpower, management team, marketing and sales, money, machine and systems. We welcome your feedback and you can reach us at info at SB, that's like small business, com. We welcome your questions and suggestions for future topics. Be sure to tune in for our next podcast.
0: Thank you and we're out. You've been listening to the Small Business Wake-Up Call, the podcast providing eye-opening insights and perhaps a caffeine high to better run your business, delivered in Stan Simpkins and Lonnie Shambi's own unique style. Head on over to sbvirtualroundtables.com where you can connect with Lonnie and Stan, subscribe to the show, find more resources, and check out their monthly 90-minute virtual roundtables. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Wake-Up Call.